Lord, as your scriptures are read and proclaimed this day, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that our hearts, our minds, and our very lives may be transformed by it. Thank you for your gift of Holy Scripture, we pray. Continuing uh, some of my favorite Bible stories as we get to know one another, as I think most of you know. I'm new here. Uh, this is only my third Sunday, and hopefully there will be a fourth. <laughs> We're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss it. If I change up things on them anymore. Um, and so uh, to get to know each other better, I thought it'd be kind of fun for me to share some of my favorite Bible stories uh, from uh, when I was a child. And one of my favorite characters, uh, both when I was young and now that apparently I'm not so young because I had a birthday, <laughs> is Jonah. The story of uh, Jonah, when we think of the character, and we think of the story, we usually think of one thing, right? The big old fish. Or, as is sometimes translated, the whale. Uh, although the, the Bible actually says big fish uh, in, in, in the Hebrew. But there's so much more to this story, so much more to the figure of Jonah than just the guy who gets thrown over the side of a boat and swallowed by a, a stinky marine animal. Jonah was a prophet. Now, we don't know a huge amount about Jonah. Jonah is what we usually refer to as one of the minor prophets, one of the 12 uh, minor prophets in the Bible. It's important to remember that when we say a minor prophet, we don't mean that what Jonah had to say or what any of the minor prophets had to say was any more or less important than any other prophet. It has to do with the size of the book. All right? so the minor prophets, the books are small. The major prophets, like Isaiah or Ezekiel, have big books. And Jonah... Uh, according to 2 Kings 14.25, uh, came from a little town up uh, in the northern part of Israel called uh, Gethapur. And uh, what he was really known for was prophesying during the reign of Jeroboam II, who, uh, as my grandmother used to say, he was a crumb bomb. Not not a good, good leader, but he did expand some of, of Israel. During this time, Israel's main uh, adversary was a nation called Assyria. And Assyria's capital was a city called Nineveh. The Assyrians would eventually conquer uh, uh, Israel, the, the, the northern kingdom of the Jews. Remember at this time, Israel had broken in half, uh, or, uh, and they had the kingdom of Israel north, the kingdom of Judah south, uh, and the kingdom of Israel, uh, the, the, the northern uh, uh, 
tribes would be carried away by the Assyrians. And so uh, Jonah had a lot of reasons not to like the Ninevites, not to like the people of Nineveh. And so when God calls him and says, hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, because those people there have been doing things that upset me, and you need to go and tell them if they don't stop their ways, I'm going to destroy them. And Jonah took about 30 seconds to think this over and thought, you know what? I am not going to go do that. Why am I going to go save people who want to destroy me and my friends, me and my neighbors, me and my family? And so he does what I think a lot of us would do. He walked himself right down to Joppa, uh, right there on the coast of the Mediterranean, found himself a boat, and he went as far as he could away from Nineveh. He went the opposite direction to the city of Tarshish, which uh, most scholars put in southern Spain. This would have been the opposite side of the world from Nineveh, at least as Jonah saw it. Then he had a whale of an experience. <laughs> and he changed his mind. And he went to Nineveh. And Jonah preached to Nineveh. And he told them that what they were doing was wrong. What they were doing was, what, what was against God's will. They were sinning against God. And that if they didn't change their ways, God was going to destroy them. And none other than the king of Nineveh himself heard Jonah's preaching and said, You know what, Jonah? You are 100% right. We accept what you're saying. And all the people of Nineveh, the Bible says, turned to God and repented. And you would think Jonah would be pretty excited. His mission was an overwhelming success. But no. He got mad. He got super angry. He's like, <clears throat> and God says, Jonah, what's up? Why were you angry? These people, they didn't know the right hand from the left hand, but I saved them. And I used you. And Jonah goes, you don't know why I'm mad? This is why I'm mad, because I knew you would forgive them. I knew that you would love them and care for them. I just knew it. And I didn't want you to do that. And God looks at Jonah and he says, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? Now, sometimes we have trouble forgiving others. There are people in this world who we don't want to see forgiven. Let's be honest, people who have hurt us, people who have, have, have caused us pain, have caused us grief, who have caused us nothing but trouble. And the idea that these people would not only be forgiven, but prosper, well, that upsets us a little bit. It makes us. 
do we have trouble forgiving others? The Bible tells us we need to forgive just as, as we have been forgiven. But it's hard for us. It's perhaps one of the hardest things it is for a Christian to do. So let's talk about that a little bit. Why do we have trouble forgiving others? Why well, part of it is that we don't really know what forgiveness is. Now we're talking about us forgiving others, not, not, not God's forgiveness. Okay? Talking about us forgiving others. And we sometimes think that forgiving somebody means forgetting. Forgive and forget. You hear this all the time. I know when I was a kid, my mom used to say that all the time. Forgive and forget. But that's not really what forgiveness is. Let's think about it in financial terms. If a bank forgives a loan, it means that the person no longer owes a debt to them. Right? Now the bank still remembers that the loan existed, but the debt is no longer there. And there is no need for repayment. That, that, that need for repayment is gone. See, forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting or excusing the harm done to you. It's a lot. 
And I'd like to say that there's nobody that I dislike, disown, criticize, or hold a resentment for. But I gotta tell you what, I went to Walmart yesterday. <laughs> I got some problems with some people. We all have problems with people, don't we? From family members to co-workers to neighbors to people driving down the street. I swear to you, nobody knows how to drive in Columbus. God is gracious. What are we doing about it? Are we examining ourselves as to why we hold all of these resentments? Or why we can't forgive? The way that I haven't received forgiveness. I think another reason that we have trouble forgiving as Christians or just as people in general is that we don't really realize how not forgiving somebody actually impacts us. One definition of resentment, which is really what forms when we don't forgive somebody, we start resenting them, is that. It is to refill the pain. See, resentment is like actually cutting your hand with a knife and then deciding to avenge yourself by stabbing the other hand over and over again because you don't want to forget what happened to you. I like what Carrie Fisher said, um, Princess Lady, in case you don't know. Resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And it's true. It's true. A story about a gentleman who I knew quite well. Uh, he was in his mid-60s, just retired. Uh, his wife was very sick. Uh, she had a uh, transplant and some other uh, health issues. This gentleman's mother had lived with them their entire married life. They had been married 40 years, or almost 40 years at this point. And grandma and the wife never really got along. They coexisted for 40 years, but they didn't really get along. And as the wife got sicker and sicker, the arguments between the wife and the mom got more and more, until finally, Mom decided she was going to move out and move in with another sibling. And on her way out the door, she said, you are a fool for marrying that woman. I told you that 40 years ago. She ruined your life. I hope you burn and be you know where. And he had a few choice words for Mom as she walked out the door. And that was literally the last time he saw his mother. Now, Grandma there was uh, probably in her early 80s, um, and sometimes, you know, maybe you need to realize that, you know, give her a little bit of grace there. Uh, sometimes people say things they don't necessarily mean, but he was not that kind of person, and he said, you know what, fine, I don't need her. A couple of years later, his one daughter was just trying to figure out what happened to Grandma because they hadn't heard anything and found her obituary. His sister never even called him holding that on. And he lived the rest of his life 
haunted by the fact that the last thing he said to his mom was not very nice, and he never forgave her. Sometimes not forgiving and having anger towards another does more damage to us than it ever does to that person. Because this ate this man up. It did. So his dying day, he regretted it. No idea if his mom even gave a second thought about it. Not forgiving another can bring anger and bitterness into our lives. And he can even taint new relationships that we have. Because we can become so wrapped up in the wrong that was done to us in the past that we can't enjoy the present. I had somebody tell me this once about being angry at somebody who's done something to you or you know, being in an argument with somebody. And it was this. Do you want to be happy or do you want to be great? And, and this holds true when you're married, and, uh, especially when you're married, uh, you know, and, and, and you're, I see some of you going, oh, no, okay. no. Um, you know, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Sometimes we have to let things go instead of always wanting to be right. Always wanting to win. Always wanting to be on We also sometimes don't want to lose our chance of retribution. Romans 12, 19 says this. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Sometimes we give in to this whole idea of revenge. A number of years ago, And sure enough, her phone was off, and I knew it because she was talking about me. 
So I left a good, good, long message about how immature she was and how we needed to fight like adults and da 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 and I hung up. I felt really good about myself because I educated her. About five minutes later, the garage door starts coming up, and I'm like, oh, that was quick. And then I open the garage door, waiting for her to say how she was wrong. When I saw her getting groceries out of the back of her car, and she goes, hey, yeah, you know what, I'm really sorry about that, so I decided to go make dinner for you. And I said, hey, we listen to your phone. No, I'm like, good. Can I see it? She goes, no, why? I said, I, I just want to see it. She goes, what did you do? I go, nothing. <laughs> she says, I'm keeping that for later on. <laughs> Sometimes, when we try to avenge ourselves, Things don't always turn out the way they should, do they? My friends, God says it is mine to avenge. I will repay. We need to allow that to occur. That means if somebody does something wrong to us, let God take care of it. Life is too short to be angry and to always try to get back at someone who has Jesus said this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. My friends, remember that we must forgive as we have been forgiven. It is what we are called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. And it will make our lives so much better. Because it's amazing, when we do what Jesus asks us to do, life just goes better, doesn't it? Amen? Amen. And that includes forgiving those who have us. Let us pray. Lord, we pray for those who have us, those who we have resentments against. And, and we ask that we would take away those resentments that we have towards them. Many times we have legitimate issues with another. We've been legitimately hurt. Help us to forgive. To wipe out that debt that is owed to us so that we may get on with living. For we know that life is far too short to be filled with resentments. We thank you, Lord, for forgiving us when we don't deserve it. By sending your Son Jesus to live among us, to show us how to live, to die for our sins, and to rise again to give us hope of everlasting life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for all that you do. And it is in
fire that we play.